But today we're continuing our message series, our Christmas series, King Jesus. You know, at Jesus' birth, he, he humbled himself to be born as, as a servant. Uh, he was reigning over the universe, he created the universe, but he humbled himself to come as a baby to be born in a lowly manger. But he came on earth, he came on earth to die and ultimately be raised from the dead and ascended back into heaven as King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Bible tells us that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so we want to acknowledge Jesus is King and Lord in this life. And so today we're going to continue in our series with a message I've entitled, Seeking King Jesus. Now, the main reason Jesus came to this earth, ultimately, was to seek those who were far from God. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. That is the reason that Jesus came to this earth. Jesus' purpose in coming was to search for sinners who needed to be saved. And that includes, included you and me. It included every one of us. And yet, who does Jesus find and save? The Bible tells us it's those who are seeking Him. In fact, the Bible tells us that the ultimate purpose of every human being is to seek after God. Acts 17, verse 26 says, And he, that is God, made from one man, that was Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God. And perhaps find their way toward him and, uh, and feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And so God created people to have a relationship with Him. And He created each one of us, including you and me, at a specific time and in a specific place that would prepare us to seek God. And God wants every person to seek Him and every person to find Him. But He's not far from anybody. He's not hiding Himself. He wants to be found. And when the seeking God seeking to save the lost, and people seeking to know the truth, seeking to know Him, when they, when they meet through faith, that person will be saved. God tells us in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek Me and find Me when you seek Me with all your heart. And so God cannot be found with casual or by casual seekers like you know, maybe I'd be interested in knowing God, maybe not. You know, He's one of many things. No, He must be sought with everything a person has. He must be sought with our whole hearts. Jesus told many parables about the diligence that people must seek the King and His kingdom with. And the seeking that we are going to talk about today, it doesn't end with salvation. Salvation is just the beginning of finding that which we're seeking for and continuing to seek to know Him better and better. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is intended to grow forever as we continue seeking Him. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6.33. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
The temptation in our lives is to seek after all kinds of other things. There's all kinds of things that we might seek after in this life. Other than the king and his kingdom. But when we put the king first and his kingdom first in our lives, then everything else that we need will be given to us. The rest of our lives will fall into place. I'd like us to watch a short video this morning about seeking the king. It's called Simply Seek. Jesus some 2,000 years ago. The first lesson that we're going to learn from this story is that we need to take time to seek the king. Our story begins in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now the Greek word for wise men is, is uh, magos, from which we get the title magi. <clears throat> the Magi were a famous class of astrologers and dream interpreters. They served under a Persian king. And so they came from the land of Persia, which was about 900 miles, and traveled, <clears throat> and it took about a number of months. Joe, could you get me a glass of water, please? And so the wise men undoubtedly had to prepare for this long journey. They had to prepare their camels, they had to prepare for servants and guards as they went along on this dangerous journey over hundreds and hundreds of miles. And why did they make this journey? What prompted them to come to Jerusalem? Well, they were seeking to meet a king. It says in the next verse, they were saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And so amazingly, these these magi traveled hundreds of miles, it might even have been over a thousand miles, 
to meet a baby who had just been born. Then born king of the Jews, the Messiah. There we go, that's a little better. You realize I talked for an hour this morning downstairs already in the class, so sometimes I get a little dry. So, As wise men, they were familiar with Old Testament prophecy, the writings of the Jews. In fact, in the first century, there was a widespread expectation throughout the Eastern world that a king would arise in Judah that would rule the entire world. These magi, these wise men, uh, knew some of the writings of the Bible. We don't know whether they were true believers, but they came on a quest to meet this newborn king, a king that they believed would be not only a king of the Jews, but a king of the Gentiles, that is, a king of the entire world. They came to worship the king. It says in verse 2, the end, for we saw, the wise men are talking, his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So as astrologers, the Magi believed that stars foretold events, especially the rising and the falling of kings. In fact, they were probably familiar with a prophecy in the Old Testament, Numbers 24, 17, a prophecy made by a prophet named Balaam that a star would come out of Judah, which would foretell the coming of the Messiah. And so apparently these Persian astrologers, the Magi, were searching the sky and they saw something new. They saw something unusual, a star that had arose in the night sky. And for reasons that we don't totally understand, that they, they believed that this star was a sign that a new king had been born to be king of the Jews and ultimately to rule the world. And so they wanted to travel to the city of Jerusalem. They knew Jerusalem was the capital of Israel in order to find this newborn king. And astonishingly, they wanted to worship him. I mean, these were influential leaders in their own right. But they wanted to worship this newborn king. Now, the stories in the Bible that we read, they're entertaining, they're they're fun to read, but they are not there simply for that purpose. They're there to teach us something. And so the Magi took a lot of time. They, they spent a lot of money to travel this great distance to seek to worship King Jesus. In the same way, God wants us to seek Jesus, to worship Him. We're not going to be able to meet Him Physically, as the wise men did, as we'll get to in a minute. But we can meet him just the same spiritually as we seek him through faith. The Magi sought Jesus the King not for what he could do for them, but for what they could do for him, to worship him. And so in the verses we're going to see, they came to give the King their worship. Now, what is worship? Worship is submitting your life and everything you have to the king. Worship is acknowledging that whatever the king says, whatever the king commands, you will do. 
everything that the king desires for you, you will follow. Worship is expressing your love, your devotion, your loyalty to the king. And so this Christmas season, be sure to take time in the midst of all setting up trees, sending cards, baking and eating cookies, gathering together with friends and relatives, all those wonderful things. Take some time to seek the king by yourself with your family. Now, don't be troubled by the king. Not everybody was seeking to worship the king. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. I heard about the Magi. He was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So Herod the Great was king of Judea at this time. He'd been appointed by the Romans. He was not a Jew, he was an Edomite, which were the perpetual enemies of the Jews. And so Herod was certainly not a king of the Jews ordained by God. He was ordained by the Romans. And Herod brutally suppressed all the opposition to his kingship. He executed many members of his own family. He executed many of the Jewish leaders who were opposed to him. And he sought to gain the favor of the rest of the Jews by building the temple in Jerusalem. And it was one of the wonders of the ancient world. One of the largest and most beautiful, most magnificent temples. But Herod and the Jewish leaders were troubled by this news that the Magi had come to Jerusalem looking for the newborn king. Both Herod and the Jewish leaders saw this newborn king as a threat to their power and their relationship with the Romans. And so Herod wanted to discover where this Messiah, where this new king of the Jews was going to be born. He wanted to, as we'll see, put him to death. He wanted to eliminate the threat. And yet this king that was coming was coming to, was coming to rule his people. And so his advisors told King Herod, in answer to the question, where is this king to be born? They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so these Jewish scholars reported to King Herod. They knew their Old Testament. And they found this verse in Micah 5 verse 2. And the verse indicated that the Messiah, the ruler, the king of the Jews, would come from a lowly, small village named Bethlehem. We should note that Bethlehem was also the hometown of King David. And the Messiah would come from the line of King David. And so the, the prophecy makes clear that this, this ruler that would come from Bethlehem would shepherd or lead the people of Israel. And no one would be able to thwart his rule. Continuing our story in verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Well, Herod now knew where this child was to be born. It was Bethlehem. 
but he really didn't want to destroy the entire town. And so he wanted to determine when this king had been born so he could figure out who to target, as we'll see in a minute. He needed to discover when the star that had announced the birth of the king had appeared. The date the star appeared would be the date that the child had been born. And so Herod needed this information to determine the age of the child at the time. And so contrary to most Christmas cards and our manger scene here, the wise men and the shepherds did not see Jesus at the same time. The shepherds came and saw Jesus in the manger. The wise men came probably two years later uh, when he was a toddler. And so Herod wanted the child to be found not to worship him as he said he was lying, but to kill him and eliminate the threat. But God was going to see that no harm came to Jesus. He was going to protect him. And so Herod and these Jewish leaders were troubled by the news of the birth of Jesus, the birth of the king. And many people are troubled by Jesus today. They're troubled for the same basic reasons that Herod was troubled. People are troubled because Jesus is a threat. He's a threat to their selfish, self-centered way of living life. Living life the way they want. You see, Jesus has a plan and purpose for your life. And it's not the same as your plan and purpose. Until you get to meet him and your plan and purpose or his plan and purpose becomes yours. So everyone, the reason we are sinners is because people are following their plan for their life. Doing the things they want to do. Which is contrary to God's plan and purpose. And so people are troubled by Jesus. People are troubled because they do not want to submit to the commands of Jesus. They do not want to submit to the rule of the King Jesus. Sometimes people are troubled by things that they read in God's word that God wants them to do that they don't want to obey. Some people are so troubled by Jesus that they try to persecute people who believe in Jesus because they don't want to hear about him and they think maybe that will silence their voices. And yet as faithful believers, we are not troubled by King Jesus. We're not troubled by his commands. We gladly choose to bow our knee. We gladly choose to submit to his authority and his leading in our lives. We seek to know him better. And God will, will guide our seeking. In verse 9, it says, After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Well, there's been much speculation about what this star was. It was a comet. No, it was a supernova. It was a conjunction of the planets. But let's look at what the Bible says about the star. The star arose in the sky at the time of Christ's birth. It, it was first seen then. And as I read the scripture, it seems that it had vanished for a time. It had not appeared. These verses indicate that uh, when, they, when they saw the star, 
they rejoice exceedingly with great joy, as if they hadn't seen it for a time. Finally, and most revealingly, what did the star do? It guided the wise men to a specific house. It was as good as GPS, right? <clears throat> it was God's GPS. Now, a star in the sky cannot guide someone to a specific house, in my understanding. And so those facts rule out these astronomical theories. And they point simply to supernatural, some type of supernatural guidance, at, at least in the final directing the wise men to the place where Jesus was. In light of the many angelic appearances around Christ's birth, I believe the star was, was probably an angel. Angels are very bright. They're referred to as stars in the Bible, and they guide uh, people in multiple times in Scripture. And so God supernaturally led these magi almost a thousand miles to the very house where Jesus was. God will guide those who seek after him. They came to worship Jesus. Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Now, you know, we're used to that story, but these are some of the most influential, wealthy, powerful men in, ancient, in the ancient East. And they travel a thousand miles and bow down and worship a toddler, probably about 18 months to two years old, worshiping him. Now, in the Bible, it's clearly taught that we are not to worship other men. We are not to worship angels. We are to worship God alone. And so we have here the wise men worshiping the child and they're worshiping God, worshiping Jesus. And this is an affirmation that Christ is the king. He is God. Not only did the Magi worship the king, they, they gave him something. They gave him their treasures. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Old Testament prophecy spoke of the nations of the world honoring the Messiah, worshiping the Messiah. And so with the visit of these, these magi and their offering of their treasures to him, we see the Gentiles coming to worship this newborn king, the prophecy being fulfilled. And although it's not mentioned in the scripture, the symbolic meaning of the gifts has been noted by, by many interpreters. Gold represents his kingship. It's a gift suitable for a king. Frankincense represents his deity. It's a type of incense burned in worship of God. And myrrh was a spice used in embalming. It signified his death, his sacrificial death and burial. Now later on in the chapter, we, we see King Herod ordering the murder of all male children in Bethlehem under the age of two. That's how old he figured the Messiah was somewhere in there, and they were all killed, hoping to kill the Messiah. But Joseph was warned in a dream. An angel came to him and said, you need to get out of here. Uh, you need to rescue, rescue 
Jesus. And so they traveled quickly in the middle of the night and escaped the troops that had been sent by Herod. And they escaped with their family to Egypt. How did they live in Egypt? Well, they had a lot of gifts. These, were this, these gifts that the wise men had given them were worth a lot of money. And I believe they were, that was a provision of God for them living in Egypt for a period of time. God had provided for them in that way. And so just as God has, has des- had a plan for the Magi, for the wise men to, to find Jesus, we've been reading about this story. It's really an amazing story when you think about all its detail. He desires each one of us to seek and to find Jesus. And now, it's not really a one-time experience. It's something that doesn't end in this lifetime. It's something that when we find Him, we can continue to seek after Him. We can just seek to know Him better and better. What treasures do we have? Well, everything that we have has been given to us as a gift from God. Our treasures are our time. There are finances, there are strength, there are families, there are our wisdom, our dreams. Everything that we have is things that every good gift we have are things that God has given to us. And as the Magi did, we lay our treasures before King Jesus. We submit to his purposes for our lives. Everything we have is a gift from God. We are to Use it for his purposes. So today, Christmas is, uh, what is it, six days away. It's coming up, ready or not. So let's take some time to seek Jesus. Let's just take some time to reflect. On your own, quiet time with God. Perhaps you might want to read the story of the wise men once again and And think about it. Meditate on it. Ask God what he wants you to learn from it. Take some time perhaps with your family. On Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Whenever you celebrate his birth. And don't just tear into the gifts right away. Open your Bible. Read one of the stories. You pick them. You know. Could be the shepherds. Could be the wise men. Could be the other story. I think there's three basic stories there. And just take some time to reflect. Take a little time to pray. A little time to give thanks for the blessings that God has brought into your life. A little time to to seek Him. Jesus promised that those who seek Him would find Him. And He is the greatest treasure we we could ever find in this life. And so God wants us to continue to seek him, to never give up on seeking after him, and to know him better and better, especially in this new year. Now, we begin to have a relationship with Jesus Christ by seeking him for the very first time, by admitting that we've been following our plans for our lives, not his, admitting that we've sinned, the Bible calls that sin. We believe that God has a, a better plan for us. And that plan was made possible by Jesus dying on the cross. That our sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. 
and we commit our lives to following Him and His plan and seeking His kingdom first. So I'd like to ask everyone to bow their heads right now. We're going to pray. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time today or recommit your life to Him, I'd encourage you to to pray with me. Father, today I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things in my life. And I repent, I turn away from those things, from those plans that are not yours. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe you've risen from the dead. You're alive today. You're reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. And I commit myself to following you as my King, as my Savior, as my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.